0: Hello everyone, Alan Misher here from Vitality Explorers. Please sign up at VitalityExplorers.com for free scientific information about how to enhance your physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. We're going to kick off this week's podcast with a quote from Aristotle. Quote, love is composed of a single soul inhabiting two bodies. Let's say that one more time. Love is composed of a single soul inhabiting two bodies. The reason I use that quote is because the first study we're going to go over uh, during this week is uh, a study about oxytocin and how it can increase with age. Second one we're going to talk about is how to enhance your vitality and play better golf. And the final one is we're going to learn how to optimize our time from the stoic philosopher Seneca. So if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends, your family, your colleagues, maybe your dog. And also, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and that would help us out a lot. So let's just jump right into oxytocin. What triggers its release, and what is it? So oxytocin can be triggered, the release of that, can be triggered by physical contact, social bonding, um, and a variety of other things. But really, what is it? Oxytocin is a hormone, and a hormone that is produced in the hypothalamus uh, in your brain and then released by the pituitary gland. Both the hypothalamus and pituitary sort of in the deep center of your brain right behind your eyes. Now, one of the main functions of oxytocin is to facilitate uterine contractions during childbirth. It really helps you squeeze out the baby. Uh, the muscle around the uterus helps squeeze out the baby. Now, it's also been known to be released in the context of a romantic encounter, As we talked about, maybe a hug or, or even exercise and importantly, while petting your dog. So if you have a dog or an animal, petting your dog can help you release oxytocin for yourself and maybe even for your, for your animal. Now what the study we're going to look at today looked at 103 participants' oxytocin blood levels before and after watching a 100 uh, second video of a father describing his feelings about his son dying from brain cancer interestingly, this specific video, which was produced by St. Jude's Children's Hospital, has been validated as a way to stimulate oxytocin release. So it's sort of an empathetic release by watching the video. So the study participants were also surveyed about their prosocial behaviors, including empathy, gratitude, and religious activity. And they were also given $40 to participate and then later given an opportunity to donate some or all of that money to St. Jude's. So, um... This is really kind of fascinating what was found. The first graphic which you can find on the Vitality Explorer's Substack site if you want to see it is a significant positive relationship between age and the change in oxytocin level before and after watching the the video. It's pretty fascinating. Um, And the older the participant, the greater the increase in the love hormone after watching it. Uh, Empathetic concern and a disposition of gratitude also correlated with a higher oxytocin release. So age, having empathy, and gratitude resulted in more oxytocin being released when you see this 100-second video. Second thing is they they found, again, check it out, Vitality Explorers on Substack if you want to read this or read more about it and see the references. Older people gave more money when they were, that they had earned uh, when participating in the study. So the 18 to 35 year olds gave, excuse me, $4.65 on average. The 36 to 64 year old group gave $9.31 and over 65 gave $12.46. And that was uh, statistically significantly higher in the older people. So uh, very interestingly, they released more oxytocin, they gave more money. And those people also who showed a higher overall satisfaction with life, and this is actually an interesting uh, parameter that was measured, they call it SWL or satisfaction with life, correlated with bigger changes in oxytocin release after watching the video. The final final graphic that is up on the Substack site shows that higher religious commitment correlated with more oxytocin release. So the study concluded, quote, the neurochemistry that helps sustain social relationships and live a fulfilled life appear to strengthen with age. So this is one of the few things that doesn't decline with age. So we can actually uh, be happy about this if we're in that older age group. Uh, And I think it strongly supports the power of empathy, gratitude, and generosity to enhance our vitality. It's also one of the few studies that um, I think, again, gives us good news because we're we're not all declining over time. If you have any comments about that, you can put it up on the Substack site and read, of course, the references that are associated with oxytocin and the specific study. Let's move on to something that I really enjoy and a little sort of side commentary about how to enhance vitality with golf. Now, I, I used to get really frustrated when I played golf poorly. I'd get upset if I shanked it off the hosel, which is kind of like the sh- where the shaft meets the head of the club, and it goes sort of careening over to the right into the woods or out of bounds. Or if I missed a short putt, I'd get upset. And uh, now I, I don't. I still do once in a while. Disclaimer, but a lot less after I read a book called *The Inner Game of Golf* by Tim Galway. And it really radically changed my perspective on the game. Interestingly, it also gave me a construct for living a more vital life. Now, let me explain here. The main focus of the book is the law of awareness. And the law of awareness suggests we develop a keen perception of any given action or situation. So just being more aware. And you might be thinking, well, how does that help us play better golf or how does that help us be more vital? And what Galloway suggests is that we can play better golf simply being, by being more aware of our body movements. Or, and, and he thinks of it as he asks you to you know, contemplate this idea of just taking your golf ball and throwing it into a 40-yard uh, wide fairway. And I think we could do that, maybe even just 30 feet ahead or 50 feet ahead. And, and if you even tossed it underhand, could you get it into the fairway? And it's very likely you could. And so w- the question is being aware of as you swing the club, can you actually do that? And that's different than sort of the complexities of your proper grip. Is it strong? Is it weak? The perfect setup? Are you open? Are you closed? Where are your feet? Where's the ball? And, and, and also, which drives me nuts, the ideal swing plane. Um, I think he, he's asking us or he's demanding of us to be aware of all these parameters, but not focus so narrowly on them. So, anyway, anyway, the idea, again, just stand over the ball, put it on the tee, swing the club, and then just basically see what happens. Now, you may whiff at it, you may dribble it off the tee, I may hit it off the snozzle, as I like to call it, or you could actually smash it down the middle. Now, occasionally, uh, like I say, like to say on the golf courses, even the blind squirrel finds the nut, so occasionally the ball goes straight down the middle. So what he's asking, and this is something we'll talk about more in a, in a later later post or podcast, is just to be aware of what happened. Pause for a moment. Think about where your body was, what you did, and can, can you replicate that? He wants you to be hyper aware of what happened. All right? Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly where we were. It sounds kind of simple, and it sounds actually crazy simple, but it actually works. So when I was... Doing that, I became more aware of three components of my golf swing. My balance, my forearm muscle tightness, and my erratic tempo. And the ball, when, you know, the ball flew a lot better, ended up in better places when my body remained in balance in the combination with loose forearms and a smooth tempo. Now, uh, other people may have other issues or other concerns or other things that they would become aware of that were important for golf. But balance, having loose forearms and a smooth swing, became my pre-shot mantra. And when I do that, I not only play better, but I, I, I get less upset because I know I'm just focusing on the things that I think are most important. All right. Now, when Galway also challenges his, his readers to define why they were playing golf. Now, originally, I did not have a good answer for that question. I thought about it for a long time, and I finally figured it out. Uh, I'm not playing to play well. I'm not playing to become a tournament champion. I play golf because I like to be outside, doing something athletic with my friends. And that's about it. Okay. I really enjoy being out in nature. I enjoy being with my friends and I enjoy um, a little friendly, low stakes competition. Okay. But I'm not there to become the world's best golfer uh, at any age. Being aware of why I like to play helped me let go of focusing too much on my score. It allowed me to have much, much more fun because there's less pressure. Uh, And ironically, I actually started playing better and even scoring better. And this leads me to why being aware in life can enhance our vitality. Uh, We may participate in a variety of activities either at home or at work, but how often do we cultivate a keen perception of the situation? How often are we focusing on being hyper-aware? Because I think too often the world steals our attention, our awareness. We get distracted by multitasking. We get distracted by our phones, TV, anything. Um, And that leads us to lose our sense of awareness uh, of the present. I think it's time for us to slow down and then, for me, focus on balance, looseness, and tempo during every moment of our lives. For me, it's seeking to have balance between work and life. Seeking to be looser in life instead of tighter and seeking to have tempo, a life tempo that is sustainable and meaningful. And having a reason for what we do in life is the second half of that equation. And too often we engage in activities without thinking about the why. Having a why for golf helped me think, stop thinking about my score. Having a why for my work or my other activities in life helped me seek more long-term meaning, not just money. So I hope to play golf for the rest of my life and I'm grateful for what it has taught me about life. But I'd love to hear your comments about this post and others. You can again see this, uh, the written version of this post on Substack and post your comments there. There's a link at the bottom of the uh, show notes here. And we're gonna finish with what I call some time dimes from Seneca. Now, we cringe when we waste money. right? if you spend too much money or you find that you could have bought it for something cheaper, Less expensive, you think, okay, I lost that amount of money. But do we actually cringe? Do we feel bad when we waste time? Unfortunately, I think many of us worry more about wasting money than wasting time. More money can be made, but time is our most precious non-renewable resource. And let's explore some time dimes in order to live our most vital lives. So This is sort of my snarky version. Time dimes is my slang for awesome statements about times. So a dime is 10, so it's, you know, look it up. Time dimes. <laughs> All right. The Stoic philosopher Seneca dropped some time dimes in a letter to his father-in-law, Polinius, in 29 AD, in uh, a letter called, or entitled, uh, On the Shortness of Life. And here's one. It's not that we have little time, but more that we waste a good deal of it. Here's another one. One man is exhausted by ambition. Now that one hammered me and still haunts me. One man is haunted by ambition. I exhaust myself trying to fulfill my ambitions more often than I care to admit. I never want to be accused of being lazy or wasting my time. So I I fill my day with what I hopefully consider to be noble ambitions. This pursuit, however, often exhausts me. And do I really want to be remembered as being exhausted or do I want to think of myself as spending my time exhausted? No, I don't. I want to be able to execute at a per, an elite professional level, but also want to take care of myself, my family, my community, and the world. And this led me to a very difficult question: Is it possible to be good and also great? I've never been able to really adequately answer that question. Um, I'd love to hear your 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 thoughts about that. Um, can you be as an amazing person both at work and in your family, in your community, in your world? Um, I'll pause on that because I'm just sort of going to give myself an incomplete about that. I may have to be thinking about that for the rest of my life. But here's another time dime from Seneca. Quote, how late is it to begin to live just when we must cease to live? How late is it to begin to live just when we must cease to live? This second time dime is in the context of the statement within the letter. Here's another quote. After my 50th birthday, I shall retire into leisure. My 60th shall release me from public duties And what guarantee, pray have you, that your life will last longer? Unquote. How many of us have been waiting to fully live our lives until we achieve something like financial security, relationship bliss, or a certain birthday? I've done my best, I think, and I hope all all of us can try to think about this, is to, to drink deeply from the pool of life whenever possible. I think I will personally accept the risk of getting bruised, bloodied, and damaged by trying to dream greatly in the arena instead of hanging out with what Teddy Roosevelt called the cold and timid souls who know neither victory or defeat. One thing we, we must admit is that we will all decline with time. We will all face death. The question on the table here is what will we do with our time that we have left on the planet? Can we do something meaningful and can we stop wasting time? I know this is pretty complex and a little meandering, but I'll finish with a final time dime from Seneca that I think could help us navigate life. Here's the quote. Unless you seize the day, it flees. Even though you seize the day, it will still flee. Therefore, you must buy with time's swiftness in the speed of using it, and as as from a torrent that rushes by and will not always flow, you must drink quickly. So um that's it's pretty impressive what he said, you know, a couple thousand years ago. But here are the here's sort of a summary of the lessons I learned from Seneca's time dimes. Number one, stop being exhausted by ambition. Number two, seize the day, do not wait until tomorrow to dream greatly. And number three, it is an epic struggle to have ambi- ambition to be great, but also good. Again, please uh, check out the Vitality Explorer uh, Substack site to post a comment or read more about the references. And I'd love to hear what you say about any or all of these from this week. My goal is to spark a discussion about how to use our precious time and also, as always, to improve your physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. So until next time, get out there and dare to be vital.